You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1,223, and this is interview 1,537 here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. You know, we're the longest-running Orange County-based business podcast. We started in March of 2009, and I'm very excited to have my first guest. Let me tell you why. Von Hebert Interiors, many of you are familiar with the brand, has been consistent with bringing reputable level of interior design and services and brand name furnishings to their loyal following for nearly a century. And before the show here in the studio, we were talking about what Orange County must have looked like in the 1920s and 30s when Kelly's family brought their brand to this market. But anyway, I digress. I've invited Kelly Bartmettler here to talk about the share, the stories of her family's experiences in not only building, but also maintaining their customers and their company's impact with their customers and their relevance in the very fast-paced Southern California furniture market. Kelly, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you on the show. This is great. We don't get a lot of 100-year-old Southern California, Orange County family-owned businesses, and I really appreciate you being willing to be here and share the story a little bit. Thank you. Okay, so let's say, what is it about Von Hemmert Interiors that makes the shopping experience so unique for your clients? Well, customers come into our stores because they really like to look, feel, and touch, you know, furniture. We bring in you know, handmade pieces that are made in the United States, as well as we import furniture from abroad. And people really don't see as much product made in the United States anymore. Yeah, I was surprised to hear. I mean, I, I knew that, but I was great to hear you say that. Yeah, and a lot of it's, you know, handmade. So, you know, there's a lot of attention to detail that you don't see anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And and so people have become accustomed and understand that's the experience they're going to have when they come in one of your showrooms? Well, they do, but also our interior designers, oh. you know, also bring sort of a, a level of like a trusted advisor. Right. Um, they have a keen um, knowledge of design and space. So when you come into our store, you're confidently guided or... Um, led in a direction that might fit your needs. Interesting. And um, I'm going to ask you about the niches that you serve. But before we get there, I have to ask you, what is your role? What do you do all day, <laughs> well, Kelly? Um, my background is um, in business management. Okay. So uh, although I do have a de uh, degree in interior design, uh, my emphasis or what I bring to to the company is really sort of my business background. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of the financial planning, the budgeting, the human resources, the banking relationships. I'm a, I serve on, in a CEO peer group. So I do sort of those nuts and bolts, but you'll also find me at furniture markets in Milan, hmm. in uh, High Point, North Carolina, and um, I definitely help with sort of the design aspect of the firm. Is it a cool thing to be doing what you're doing? Do you like it? It's really cool because there's times where maybe the numbers get sort of 
tiring to look at. And so right. sometimes I'll actually get out of my desk, walk downstairs and walk around in the environment and see the projects that the interior designers are working, currently working on. Mm -hmm. And then you get to travel occasionally and see these latest designs and trends in the industry, huh? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. That's got to be fun. It is. You said Milan, right? Yeah. So back in 2016, my father, sister, and I went there. And it, it's an explosion of, you know, sort of this modern meets, you know, you know, old world. Right. So it's an explosion of uh, different media and um, different sort of designs that are sort of cutting edge because a lot of times we look to Italy to sort of set the trend. So for us, it's exciting, whether it's color, whether it's materials or design, you're usually going to find it in Italy. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, we're talking with Kelly Bart Medler, and she's with Von Hemmert Interiors, and we're talking to her about her family business that's been around for nearly a century. Who are the clients? You know, we say generally, what's the niche? What's your successful niche? And that's sort of like maybe a little impersonal for the type of business that you're in. So, who, who are the clientele that has allowed your company to exist and thrive for this long? Well, you know, our customers are, are seekers who want to see something or experience something better. Um, so our designers help lead our customers to experience the value of furniture and design. Kind of like, like a BMW or Mercedes. You know, if you go inside the car and you sit on the leather chairs and you understand the performance of the car, all of a sudden you desire to buy it. Right. Um, if I could expand on that... Um, I think customers seek us out because I think they're getting tired of the commoditized mm. aspect of our industry. Um, with all due respect, you know, goods that are made in China maybe don't have the same quality constraints and specifications that, you know, furniture that's made in America or Italy, for instance. So people are getting a little bit tired of sort of that look where perhaps it's disposable furniture, mm -hmm. where it looks good on day one, and then maybe six months later, it's, it's literally falling apart. So when they come to our store, not only do they get the look, but they get the integrity of the piece behind it, where mm -hmm. they know it's going to last for generations. And uh, speaking of generations, that's a good segue if I can kind of go off script to say... Um, Briefly, what is the evolution of the family business? Obviously, you weren't, you're not the founder of the company. You referenced your father and your sister. I brought you on because you're a family business. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But just give for the audience out there kind of a little bit of background for how you started, how your family started. Well, I, what I think personally is really interesting is it was started by a single mom. Wow, okay. Um, and she'd come over through Ellis Island and uh, spent a brief time in New York and then relocated to Los Angeles. Um, probably, you know, she thought that there was a lot more opportunity there at the time. And she opened a stall in what's now called the Grove at the um, marketplace in the Grove. And she primarily focused on reupholstery of tapestries. And then later on, her son went to UCLA and studied design, and he started to decorate, you know, movie sets. Mm. 
And then they relocated to Orange County, and we, we were trying to decide when, but probably sometime in the early to mid-30s, they relocated and opened a store in Laguna Beach. And it sort of launched from there. And we started to bring in furniture, rugs, mirrors, accessories, you name it, we right. have it. And Orange County was slowly starting its growth. So yes. good demographics, right? Most definitely. So the lady who came through Ellis Island and then her son, is her son your grandfather? Yes. Okay. So this would have been your great-grandmother? Yes. Wow. Awesome. What what a spirited individual she must have been to do that all to come not only come to this country but then come all the way across from new york to los angeles definitely so you got that in your genes yeah it's the american dream it right? is right it absolutely is and today in the business um you mentioned your father your sister uh, who, so today my si it's it's run by women again okay. so my sister and i run the company oh, okay. she's sort of more the right brain <laughs> and i'm a little bit more of the left brain <laughs> that's awesome yeah <laughs> you're a good compliment for each other most though. definitely yeah i saw the commercial a commercial that you two did which she did most of the talking which it probably kind of comes back to this as well right most definitely right that's great all right so your father's no longer involved in the business no he left in 2001 okay so. so you and your sister took the through the Great Recession then. It yes. was you were leading the helm. Oh my gosh. Yes, we did. Were you impacted by the Great Recession? Do you remember? I don't mean to bring up the past. We were definitely impacted by the Great Recession. But you know, you, you sort of hunker down and you get really resourceful and you sort of reevaluate everything. And there was definitely tree you know, trimming of the trees, so to speak. And fortunately, we had a very robust inventory, so we were able to, you know, continue to entice people to come into our store. And then we also reached out to other peers in our industry throughout the country oh, wow. and Canada, and we sort of used their sort of best practices that helped us sort of navigate as well. I love that. I believe in the power of peer learning. Thank you yes. for giving a real-world example, because when everything's so uncertain and new in a bad way, it's nice to talk to other people who might be experiencing the same thing and learn the lessons from them, right? Most definitely. I mean, never give up, right? Right. Never give up. All right. Um, let me see where I am on my script with you, Kelly. I'm sorry. Um, as we said in the open, you family-owned business for nearly a century. It, are there lessons or something a piece of advice speaking of peer learning that you might want to lend to others that are running family-owned businesses maybe women-owned businesses that you and your family have learned that kind of help you well you know i came with a few ideas okay. but probably maybe i'll just jump to to maybe in my view you know when when you talk about perhaps lessons that i've learned that i could bring to like a peer group uh in running a family business I think the lesson is is to learn to not get stuck and you know sometimes emotions run high and there's an analogy that I feel like we should all be mindful of and for instance if your emotions were a horse they might run wild in any direction and good or bad um, so you need to see yourself as a jockey and not a horse in most emotional situations calm down reevaluate and take the reins. You need to take control of your emotions always. Because mm -hmm. they can get the best of you, can't they? They can. Yes. All right. And you're in the, for the long game, right? Most definitely. Is there another generation 
coming up that might take over? I mean, you're young, and, and your sister looks young from the videos. I don't know. You might be running it for the next who knows how many years, but is, is that in the plan? You know, who knows? You know, <laughs> who really knows? Right. I mean, I shouldn't even be here as a fourth-generation family-owned right? business. But What are the you know, odds of that? Yeah, and, you know, retail is sort of evolving, and we all read those sort of, you know, things on the front new, you know, front page of the newspaper. And I think, you know, another nugget that I would offer is you really can't be everything to everyone. Right. And you really need to stick to your roots. And you need to keep, you know, evolving, but you need to if like for instance, our company is really rooted in, you know, quality fine furniture with honestly, complimentary interior design service to help you make a better decision. Right. And so that's really sort of like the path that we've always chosen and we will continue to stay on. Right. But I imagine that path has been challenged both by the economy and now technology and, you know, we have to stay relevant. And there's Most a, definitely. There's a different, bigger market over here. Should we chase that? I can imagine that the, the leadership of the company has had to wrestle with some unclear decisions about what the right strategy is, right? I think one of the strategies that we've sort of taken advantage of uh-huh. is technology. Oh, good. So when I first started, you know, we had, you know, a pen and a piece of paper, right? And we had handwritten tags everywhere, and it was really quite archaic. So we brought in sort of an enterprise software system, wow. and we barcoded, you know, like 5,000 items. And the need was really simple. Let's just, you know, upload this into the computer and be able to see and get a handle of our inventory. But really, we were able to really leverage that because when you have things in those types of systems, you get real insights, you know. Yes. And so as a result of just sort of a simple need of going from handwritten to sort of barcoded computerized tags, we were able to leverage our successes, measure maybe best sellers, look at what we were out of, and run various sales reports, you know, with just pressing your Mm. finger on a button. So I'm not going to ask you my unintended consequence question, because you just gave me a positive uh, outcome of an unintended unintended consequence of an investment in ERP system, is Mm -hmm. you got tons of information that you could run your business more intelligently. Most definitely. Right? And that is priceless. So when people are thinking about automating and making an investment in the back office, that sounds like from your experience, Kelly, that can be a wise decision if you can successfully do the implementation. Well, if I could say one more thing. Please, it's your show. Well, as a result of bringing on this system, uh, a couple years ago, I was sort of reevaluating my own peer group. And I called, you know, the our industry leaders from the home furnishing industry. And I said she had really liked to be a part of a CEO peer group. Mm-hmm. And as a result of, of using this system, I was able to upload all my financials, all of my SKU information, like we categorize things in departments and categories. So for instance, if you have a dining room department, you might have a dining room chair category. So I was able to upload all that and then show up at these peer groups and bench, we all did the same thing, and benchmark all of our performance leading indicators and then regroup and analyze like, you know, you're not selling enough dining room tables or, 
you know, that salesperson isn't selling it enough or so on. So it, it, it just blew up into this tool that I think would help anyone during, you know, maybe a down economy. That is awesome. And to have a group of people who are in the same industry but non-competitive sharing their experience, I mean, that's priceless, right? Yes. So I'm very proud to hear you say that. I love the fact that you believe in peer learning and you're a practitioner of that. That's, That's very important. Can you share your company's core philosophy that's been used to build the culture? of the company it's it's kind of our guiding principles question i think of it you know is we're kind of running out of time so i just wonder you well you know i thought about that question long and hard fair enough and sometimes i can be long-winded but for me it's more of a short answer okay so my company's philosophy is really to do everything with integrity Uh, in my mind everything starts with that And if you start with that, the rest will follow. So, and my personal philosophy is just to keep learning. Mm. Always be learning, huh? Always be learning. So I'm sure that integrity has shown up in ways both, you know, easy and big and sometimes maybe small and subtle. But um, I find, tell me, that employees learn the culture. You can tell them one thing, but your actions speak louder to them. So, you know, I'm sure you've... Uh, that guiding principle has been tested on occasion within the firm. Yeah, you would be very surprised. We have very little turnover. I have employees that are relatively young, that maybe it was their first job, that are still there, or I have interior designers that never left. And so I have the tenure really speaks to what you're talking about. There's, There's this level of trust. Yes. And, you know, as a business owner, it's also cost effective when you don't have a lot of turnover. <laughs> There's an ROI to that. Yes. Yes. So, um, knock on wood, I, I think the integrity thing is working um, because people have a tendency to stay. Right. And, and my, as you described your business, clearly you're not in the commodity space for furniture. You're, your clientele are looking for fine pieces of home furnishings that fit well with what they're trying to get accomplished, right? That's why you yes. have the designers, etc. And so that level of integrity with your clients to direct them to the right products and the, I mean that that, that that allows you to live as a successful company for almost a century, I would think. Well, it's interesting, you know, I was thinking about our market. You know, that was one of your questions. And, you know, we typically, you know, serve, you know, the higher income, you know, market. But we do have a lot of people that value furniture and, and look mm. at aspects of it like a collector would. So we have a, a furniture line called Stickley Furniture. Mm-hmm. It's American-made. It comes from the arts and crafts, you know, sort of area of design. And people will save to collect an item, wow. you know, every year. And there's a sustainable sort of edge to it. So not only... Is it got a handmade aspect, it's quality, but maybe the wood species is special. And all the different, you know, constructions, components to it will make, they say, will make their pieces last for over 300 years. Oh, my goodness. So. That's a long time. So I think it's, you know, when you think about replacing your BMW or your Mercedes, uh, we're replacing it a lot. So it might be a very expensive initial investment, 
But if it's something that you can pass on to your children, like maybe a dresser or a chest or what have you. Sure, heirloom. All of a sudden, you know, there's a great, as you would say, ROI on that. Right. Well, I have to ask an off-script question, but is it an occupational hazard that when you go to people, when they invite you over, not friends, but just new acquaintances, how do you not look at their furniture through the lens of what you do for a living every day? That's got to be an occupational hazard. A little most definitely, <laughs> most definitely. Right, but yeah. I always compliment them on their beautiful <laughs> home. Right, <laughs> always. And I can only imagine what you have in your house, Kelly, <laughs> since you're sitting on top of all this great inventory. Right. All right. So I'd love to have you back on in a few years. Let's not wait a hundred years to have you back. <laughs> And uh, what's going to be different for Von Hammer? Where, where, where are you and your sister? What do you see? I'm not asking for any confidential stuff, but just um, how do you see the company maybe evolving or changing or doing more of the same? You know, there's been so much change that I feel like we're just going to build on that. And that's really kind of the way I see it. I mean, it, at the beginning, you know, about five years ago, we were working really, really hard on our website and our Internet presence yes. and our Google AdWords and sort of those marketing activities. And those are all working. Uh, it's amazing how often your phone rings and it's a Google organic ad wow. or it's so prior to us really getting on board with that, the phone maybe rang less and people came into the store more. Now the phone is ringing more mm-hmm. and people are coming into the store less. Okay. But the business is growing. So, yes. So they're doing the transactions so, via the phone. So the idea is you're getting more qualified leads that walk into the store. Okay. That's that's good, mm-hmm. right? That that that's got to be a positive. So you have, how many locations do you have in Southern California? So we have two locations: one in LA County and one right here in Costa Mesa. Okay. And if someone would like to learn more about Von Hemmert, how do they find you online? Where would you direct them to go? Yeah, I would direct them to www.vonhemmert.com. I'm going to ask you to spell that. V O N H E M E R T. One more time. V-O-N-H-E-M-E-R-T. Just like it sounds, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Kelly, thank you very much for giving of your time and sharing a little bit about your experience. Congratulations on leading a successful business into the next century. This is really exciting. I appreciate you being willing to come on and share your experiences with my audience. Thank you. It was fun. Thank you. I'd like to also thank our engineer for today, none other than Mr. Paul Roberts. Without Paul, you know, we couldn't do the show, but also we could not do the show without our producers. And so I want to thank our three producers, Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and our newest producer who's here in the studio, Nicole Terry. If you'd like to connect with me, I'd say let's start on LinkedIn. I'm Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. And until the next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.